Anderson. Hits it in the air to right. Back at the wall. The White Sox win it. Sox win. Welcome to the Feeling Soxy podcast, episode two. I'm your host, Clint Klaus, welcoming you back to the podcast where you want to feel soxified, where you want to take your socks levels and you want to raise them up a bit. You want to inject yourself. Well, you are at the right spot because today we're feeling soxy as the regular season is right around the corner. Spring training games have started. We're about a week away into them. I have a little bit of a gripe with spring training games and we'll get to those and will we solve the right field problem? Is it Michael Conforto? Is it Yoki Cespedes? Mike Rodolfo? We have, I have a couple thoughts on right field as to po- other possible solutions. If there is not a free agent signing that is right around the corner. And we'll also go into predictions of four players. So every podcast episode, we're going to go in depth with four more players. Each, each one has a different role and a significance to this year's Chicago White Sox team. We're going to go in-depth as to which particular players are the ones that we are going to keep an eye on and whether they can continue their amount of success, whether they can live up to the hype. So our first four players that we'll start off would be Tim Anderson, Moncada, Giolito, and Dylan Cease. That will be later in the podcast. But we have to start first with spring training games have started. We're about five days into spring training games being started. And I have one gripe with spring training games. Why why aren't any why why are they only showing like half of the games? Especially with it being a shortened spring training, they should at least be able to broadcast all of these games. I mean, it doesn't have to be Jason and Steve every time. It could be the MLB.com people with Rich King and whoever Rich King decides to bring on board. That was what they did last year whenever they had a spring training game that wasn't on NBC Sports Chicago. I, I just think it's egregious that we are in the year 2022 where you can stream pretty much anything on any platform at any point in time, and yet we still cannot get a full-loaded thing of White Sox spring training games. Now, I get it. The games don't matter. They don't count. But it's still good. It's still good to see the, the White Sox players that we know and love, the ones that are on the field during the regular season. We get we get little glimpse of we get a little glimpse of spring and White Sox baseball every single time with these spring training games. We have things that we want to look for. You know, what what you know, whether in years past it was which prospect? You know, the prospects. We have to watch the spring training games to see Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez because at, at that time, that was the only time that you could even see them because they were still in the minor leagues. Now we're in a day and we're now we have to look for other key places where the other prospects that we were like, hey, look out for these guys like like Micah Rodolfo, who we'll, we'll get into Micah Rodolfo later and Yoki Cespedes, who they just signed for the it was the previous international signing not just the one but the previous one but i still think it's egregious that we're in 2022 you can stream pretty much anything online but we somehow cannot be able to watch spring training games like we had two games on saturday we had one game on sunday one game on saturday couldn't watch either one of them 
I mean, you could listen to it on the radio, which is what I did because I'm a psychopath when it comes to White Sox baseball. I listened to the White Sox game on the radio. I listened to them get their doors blown off by the Guardians. So still a ridiculous name. They got their doors blown off by the Guardians. Yesterday, I had to watch a game cast to see what was going on in their game against the Rockies, which is that a little bit obsessive? Maybe. But maybe I just care about these spring training games because I just know that White Sox baseball is right around the corner and we haven't had it since they got eliminated from the Astros. So I really need to really scratch that itch of getting White Sox baseball back into my system and everybody else's system. I just don't get why they don't have why they can't broadcast any all the spring training games. I mean, it's not like they have the Cubs on on the station anymore. It's not like the Blackhawks are really doing anything of significance. Like, I mean, who, who's who's watching Blackhawks games now? Nobody. Nobody's watching Blackhawks games now. They're about as irrelevant of a franchise as the Chicago Fire in this town. But am I crazy for thinking that? Like, it's, it's 2022. We should be able to watch all these spring training games. This is not 2005 where you, you broadcast the 15 games. And, I mean, this year, how many spring training games are there? Like 20? 20, 25, it's not a lot. So I just don't understand why we're not able to get these White Sox games broadcasted on the air so that we could all see what's going on instead of refreshing Twitter every couple of seconds to see what Scott Merkin is tweeting about the game or Chuck Garfine because they're both at the game. They're like, oh, yeah, like Sunday. Sunday was a perfect example. They were like, Luis Basabe. Remember that Luis Basabe? Yeah, he's back. He hit, he hit a home run. And nobody even knows. Yoki Cespedes, who we'll get to more of him later in the show. But Yoki Cespedes gunned a guy from third base. Nobody has any video of it. So did it really even happen? Does it even exist? We don't know. This is the problem that we are facing because they will not broadcast these games. And they, I mean, I'm watching the broadcast of the game right now. It's its so lovely to hear Jason and Steve. Like, people want to hear Jason and Steve. And... In fact, I think they just want to watch White Sox baseball in general. It doesn't matter if it's a spring training game. If you care about spring training games like me, then you are just, you're just a diehard baseball fan. Either that or you're just crazy because most people, especially during in the middle of a March Madness when you have two TVs on two different games and then I have a game on my TV of the first White Sox spring training game. I had to catch the highlights and see what these guys were going to do. I mean, this stuff matters. This is stuff that I look forward to all offseason, particularly since the lockout made it seem like that the offseason was like two years. And that, did, and that didn't make it any easier because we were like, well, are we even going to have a hypothetical season? Like I thought I was going to, you know, at this point, if they were still in a lockout, we'd be like, well, hypothetically, you know, Lucas Giolito could have a good year. You know, hypothetically, Tim Anderson could be batting 300, but the the Players Association and the owners don't have a deal. Well, luckily, we don't have to face that reality. We are in the reality where we can watch the spring training games, but not a lot. Like they have a spring training game today and then they don't have they're not broadcasting another game until Saturday. How, what sense does that make? Like. This is my gripe with the spring training games. They don't broadcast all of them. And until they start broadcasting all of them, I will complain about them not broadcasting spring training games. It's one thing to listen to them on the radio, but I can't visually see like what Len Casper is seeing. Like it's impossible to even dictate. 
It's impossible. It's impossible to even tell what is going on. Like, what are we even doing? That's just my one complaint. But I watched their game today against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I do have some notes. And this is going to lead us into our next segment. So I watched the spring training games that I have watched, which has only been the two that they broadcasted, the Cubs and the Giants. There, There's a couple things. Well, number one, Yoki Cespedes so far has been the player of the entire White Sox spring training this year. Yoki Cespedes. And I think it's important that he gets as much playing time as he can so that he can develop more because he lost a year of development with the COVID-19 season. And then I think last year he didn't start spring training till I think May with it. He was out with an injury or there was problems with his America visas with the COVID with, you know, the COVID policies and people coming into the countries. It made it difficult for Yoki Cespedes to get here. And I don't think people are really that high on him because we, we don't know how we don't know where he is in his development. We don't know if he's like right on the we don't know if he's borderline to where he might be on the team this year. We don't know at all. But Jokey Cespedes so far has impressed so far. And then the other guy is a guy who's right on his last limits. Uh, Mike Rodolfo, he had a three-run homer, drove in four runs today against the Dodgers. Pretty impressive stuff. The, you know, his one thing is whether he can stay healthy or not. We'll get, again, we'll get into more of the right field situation surrounding the White Sox in just a sec. So other, other spring training notes I had. Tanner Banks, who I guess he was in the system for about seven years now. He turned into Sandy Koufax. He struck out five in his first two innings. You know, I'm, I'm watching this game and I'm like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> if this was the old White Sox, Tanner Banks would be banging on the door to being in the starting rotation. And today he was Sandy Koufax. I mean, he he struck out Bellinger. He struck out, you know, it wasn't the full Dodgers lineup, but still some some regular starters Looked very, very impressive. Very impressive. I was impressed with Tanner Banks. He was really the only pitcher that really kind of caught my eye today. I think the other, all the other ones weren't really, you know, they were kind of just meh guys that you know they're not going to be on the roster come um, opening come opening day. Ryan Burr's probably one of those guys. He gave up like he gave up a bomb to Jake Lamb, and I believe gave up a home run to. I think it was Max Muncy. I have to I have to go back and look at the tape. But he gave up like four, but he gave up like three runs. He's probably not going to be on the bullpen roster. And if he is, then I don't know. Then we're probably just desperate for more pitchers if he actually is on the team. And then the other thing, uh, the last thing that I kind of took notice of their most recent spring training game today against the Dodgers, they're a little bit more aggressive on the base pass. You know, you'll, you know, they I feel like that was something that they kind of weren't really too uh, what's the word I wouldn't say that it was a really a big important of notice for the White Sox last year where I don't think they really were showed a lot of awareness when they were on the base pass where if a ball got away you know why why is Yasmani Grandal so I guess that's a bad example because he's not really that fast like Tim Anderson like why why is he still on first base when the ball's going past the catcher he should be on second base and I think they're doing more of that. You saw a lot of aggressiveness on the base pass. I think Luis Basabe got caught stealing. He was really the only one. But Yoki Cespedes stole a base. The pitcher didn't even look at him, and he took off. That's that's more situational awareness that the White Sox are going to need going into this year. 
and I really like the aggressiveness that they showed on the base pass in this game. I know it's really early, and hopefully this will translate into the regular season. But that's good that they are more aggressive on the base pass to put more pressure on the defense of their opponent as you know they're going for first first to third. They got some speed on this team. They got some guys that can steal some bases. It's just I feel like they just haven't really been in, been in the position or they've just instructed them not to steal bases. It's a really weird concept that the White Sox really it's just weird, you know, this, you know, it's more of a wait and see. We'll see who's on the roster. We'll see cuz you know, when the season starts, they could change their whole plans completely, and then they'll just be like a small ball team. But that's still a possibility of them being a small ball team. And I teased it before as we talked about the White Sox-Dodgers game. The two people who really impressed the most to me in this one game were Mike Rodolfo and Yoki Cespedes, both of which who are in positions to uh, – I believe Mike Rodolfo has to make the White Sox roster – because he's out of minor league options. This is his last, this is really his last shot to to make the White Sox. I think it's I think it's unfortunate because I remember a few years ago they had that article about him, Eloy and Luis Robert and he's the one and he's like the third guy who hasn't gotten to the White Sox yet. And it's tough and obviously most of it has nothing to do with how he's performed on the field because it has to do with his health. If he, if Mike Rodolfo was able to stay healthy for like two or three years, he's probably on the White Sox right now, and we're probably not having this debate about whether or not he should be on the team. Like, I, I don't even know if he's ready for the White Sox. I think he's on the doorstep, but he's out of minor league options. So he, he has to make the team out of camp, and we hear all these impressive – I hear all this impressive stuff about Mike Rodolfo. He has the best arm in the White Sox farm system, which is something we really haven't seen a whole lot because we haven't really seen him throw a whole lot of guys out. And I'm pretty sure the one year where he DH'd most of the time, I believe it was 2019, he DH'd um, a good majority of the time. And we never really got a chance to see him really throw anybody out in the, in the minors because he was injured the full season in which he could have um, played a lot of the outfield. So this is a really important time for Mike Rodolfo, but not only for him with the White Sox, but he's also trying out for 29 other teams. And I think if he doesn't break camp with the White Sox, he will break camp somewhere, whether it's with a rebuilding rebuilding team, whether it is with the White Sox, whether they decide, hey, he is the team's starting right fielder. I don't really know what direction they're really going in, but but if I'm... But if I know the White Sox, I'm assuming that the option is probably going to be Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets platooning. And whenever Adam Engel does return from injury, which I believe he's still recovering from shoulder surgery that he suffered in the middle of the season. He is. So we don't know what Adam Engel's timeline is and when he will be back with with the White Sox. So that basically leads me to the right field problem. As we alluded to, you know, not only with Mike Rodolfo, who's out of options and couldn't really stay healthy, I think if he stays healthy enough for the rest of spring training, that would granted spring training is not really that big. We could see him break camp with the team. Yoki Cespedes is also another one. Yoki Cespedes is the number two prospect in the White Sox farm system. I don't think people people aren't really as high on him as they were on his brother uh, Yoetis Cespedes, who obviously you know Yoetis was. Bigger in size, and Yoki's kind of 
like the size of me. So we don't, but so far from like what I've seen out of him, he, dude can play. He has talent. And I think the really, the, the main thing with him is where, where is he going to start? Like, cause I've, I've seen the takes. I've seen people be like, I, I even, I've even joked about it being like, Hey, Mike or, or not Mike Rodolfo, Yoki Cespedes is the White Sox starting right fielder going into the 2022 season. And you don't really know people are going to take you seriously or not because that's just how the internet works. But Yoki Cespedes has a shot. I don't think he's going to break camp with the team. I don't think either one of these guys are going to break camp. They have a plan in right field. I think they are going to go with Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn and doing that little bit of a platoon, which I guess whatever works for you. I guess whatever works for the White Sox is, you know, we're, I'm – I'm, I'm going to question it if it, like, doesn't work. But it's like, you know, Michael Conforto's still out there. I've I've kind of been anti-Conforto, not really so much of his fit. But the fact that nobody can really give me a good reason why he would be a fit with the White Sox outside of him batting right-handed and him playing a position of need, where if you look at his defensive war stats, they're prob- they are no better than Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn. So... I don't see why White Sox fans are really clamoring over trying to get Michael Conforto when he's about and he's an average outfielder at best, and you're probably just better off just trying to get these young guys all the at bats they can get, especially with Andrew Vaughn. Because I, I, I like Andrew Vaughn. I think he's a I think he's going to be a phenomenal hitter, and it's the reason why Frankie Montez is probably not on the White Sox is because their unwillingness to trade Andrew Vaughn. So it seems like what the solution is going to be for right field is probably platooning those guys, even though I would like to see Yolki Cespedes and Mike Adolfo really get the opportunity to start him right because I think Adolfo, you know, that what that was a big thing, you know, with Adolfo being, you know, coming through the system with Luis Robert, with Aloy Jimenez, and both of them being on the roster right now and him not being here due to the amount of injuries that have occurred to him since he has been in the White Sox system. It's tough, but at the same time, you know, you, you either have to shit or get off the pot. And the, the, this White Sox team is too good to be trolling out, you know, whether Mike Rodolfo is a good option or not. We we don't know if Mike Rodolfo is going to be an everyday outfielder. We don't know if Yoki Cespedes is going to be an everyday outfielder. And as far as I know, they're not going to sign, they're not going to make any more, like, real-time signing. So Conforto's not coming here. And the solution that I have for right field is we have four guys. Two of them don't even play the position. And two people and two of the other players actually can play the position, but it's a matter of whether the rest of their game is re- is defined. You know, whether Yoki Cespedes is, he's not a polished hitter at the plate, even though he's been the best hitter of the White Sox camp so far. The same with Mike Rodolfo. Like, Mike Rodolfo has looked pretty impressive so far, but that's because he has to stay healthy enough so that he can break camp with the team. But another thing that also is in his advantage is if he doesn't break camp with the team, then there's going to be 29 other teams that are looking at his performance and saying, "What? Let's get this guy in the system. I think we can. I think we can get something here." And who knows? You know, he he might be able to be an average major leaguer and play six or seven years, which which isn't bad. Seeing as how at one point in time he was the second international signing in the same class that Aloy Jimenez was. So it's going to be really interesting to see 
what they go in right field, which direction they decide to go in. And it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but I don't think Adolfo or Yoki Cespedes will break the camp with the team unless they just start playing with the world on fire. And then at that case, you know, you put the best people in the best possible position to succeed with the Chicago White Sox. And now with that, we transition from who could possibly be on the White Sox to who is currently on the White Sox. And with that, we're going to go. So this is how I'm going to do this. I'm going to look in depth at two position players and two pitchers, both of which, all of which have key roles and what I expect out of them and what everybody else is expecting out of them going into the upcoming 2022 season. So I'm going to start with the the man who ignites it all. We're going to start with the team leader. We're going to start with Tim Anderson. So Tim Anderson, the last three years since 2019, has the best batting average in baseball. This is a stat that just that popped up today when I was watching the broadcast. He has the he has the highest batting average of anybody in baseball the last three years. He also, I believe, has the most hits of a White Sox player in postseason play, which says oh, which says a couple things. It says how good Tim Anderson is, and also says how bad the White Sox are at getting to consecutive playoff appearances, which was the first thing, first time they ever did that last year when they went back-to-back seasons of reaching the playoffs. So I think Tim, obviously, he's the mo- he's one of the more important factors. If he can continue to keep hitting the way that he's been hitting, which is just hitting it to the right side, not really taking a whole lot of walks, but is really that igniter for the White Sox lineup because you could, you could tell the difference in the White Sox lineup when Tim's in the lineup to when he's not in the lineup. And it was very evident last year when I believe there was, you know, the three-week stretch where he was, where his his legs were hurting him, they were playing him, they weren't going to play him. Like, wh- why aren't they putting him on the IL? You know, why, you know, is he is he injured? Is he not injured? We went through that whole thing last year and it kind of affected him because you, you, you missed that igniter at the top of your lineup. And that's what Tim Anderson really brings and is he going to continue to be a 300 hitter? You know, if you asked me this question two years ago, I would have said, you know, I, I doubt he replicates a 300 season. He's done it the last three years and is easily one of the better hitters in baseball. Very underrated by my standards in terms of what he means to the team and the overall round in baseball. I mean, he's starting to get up there with the top 10 shortstops in the game which I think is huge for his brand. And I think it's huge for the White Sox to have, you know, legitimate superstars at, at important positions like shortstop. So Tim Anderson, as long, obviously this is going to be the same thing with all these guys, as long as they stay healthy and continue to like Tim Anderson, if he continues to just hit the way and prepare himself the way that he has been and stays healthy, then Tim's going to have another year where he hits over when he hit, where he hits 300. He has 17 home runs and has over 60 RBIs and is the igniter right at the top of the lineup. That is very important to this team because when he's not in the lineup, it makes a huge difference when he is there to when he's not there. All right, now the other position player that I am really keeping my eye on and I think most White Sox fans have really kind of really had their eyes on him. You know, whether it's it's Yoel Moncada. Yoel Moncada is probably as important as a White Sox position player 
as Tim Anderson is to anybody as Tim Anderson is. Mankata is just as important. I think the problem with Mankata is will he ever live up to to his hype? Because he was obviously he was the first one to come in with the Chris Sale trade. He was the main headline he was the main headline prospect that came in the Chris Sale trade. So obviously when so obviously when you get these top prospects and they and they are the top ranked prospect, it's like getting the number one overall draft pick. And so all eyes are going to be on him. I think all eyes have always been on him the last several years. Is 2019 an outlier year? Is this like, is 2019 like the an outlier year? Or is who Mankata is last year, is that who he is? Is that who he is? Because if you look at three out of his four years, they haven't really been that good. 2019 is really the only year where I think if he doesn't have that year, I think people kind of start getting... Into into the questioning of whether whether he's a bust or not. I don't think he's a bust. I just think that the expectations for him might have been a little bit too high by by standards. Other the, other than you know, it's not really his fault because he was the top overall prospect. All eyes are always going to be on Yoan Mankata. He plays great third base. I think if he continues to do that, but his bat, if he's batting like how he's been batting the last couple of years, this team is going to struggle. They need Mankata. They need Mankata's bat to be 2019 Yo Mankata. Because you put that Yo Mankata with this lineup, I mean, watch out. It, I think it'll be as good as a line as good of a lineup as anybody's in baseball. And that includes all it'll easily be the best in in the division. And you know that that's not even including I know I forgot to mention the twin sign Carlos Correa ho-hum, you know, we don't really care. It makes the Twins that much better. But what can we expect? But, you know, you bring 2019 Mankata into this lineup and this team is just going to win the Central again. I mean, they basically won the Central last year without a 3-4, without half of their lineup fully healthy for the entire year. I think if health is really the biggest issue or really the biggest thing that's going to make or break how far this White Sox team goes because if they can if they stay healthy then the sky's the limit nobody's going to be able to stop them and that's the key with Mankata if Mankata can stay healthy and wake up the 2019 Yoan Mankata that's inside of him then then this team's going to be even better then they're going to win 100 games they're going to win 100 games so I get to this. What what would be considered a good season for Tim Anderson and Yoan Mankata? I think uh, two different things. So for Tim, I think for what, what would be a successful season for Tim Anderson is probably if he continues to bat over 300, which is still pretty hard to do, but if Tim Anderson is, continues to do what Tim Anderson's done the last three years, then I'm not really, then I'm not going to be too concerned about him. I'm really concerned about whether Yoan Mankata is is the guy at third base. You know, is is he the guy? Is he the guy that everybody thought that he was going to be when we traded Chris Sale for him? And this this is a huge year for him. There's no more excuses for Yoan Mankata. It's either it's either make or break time for him. So, he's either going to be the pro, he's either going to be a really good player or he'll be an average player, which at that case by some people's standards it just depends on what your standards are. What what are your expectations of Mankata? And my expectations, I've kind of lowered a bit because you know we're we're expect I expect him if he's batting two eighty 
finishes the year with like 20 home runs and is more aggressive at the plate. I would look at that as a very good season for Yoan Mankata. And I think that would be very huge. I mean, that'll be huge for the White Sox lineup. I mean, Luis Roberts on his way to being superstar status. You know, if Aloy Jimenez continues to stay healthy, if Jose Abreu has the Jose Abreu-like year, and you're also getting another year of Andrew Vaughn if he ends up being the starting right fielder for the Chicago White Sox. I, I think it's still going to be an exciting year. There's there's still a number of players, different players, that we still have to go down the different paths. But that's what I'm looking for for those two guys is I want to see Mankata at least kind of show that the 2019 guy is still there and that he's not just an average third baseman. Like, show that he's more than being just an average third baseman because the analytics people love Mankata. They love showing off the numbers of, oh, hey, look at look at his numbers here. Like, he has, he has a war of four, but it's batting like 250. And they're like, well, I, I don't really know if he's living up to the I just think that it's this is a huge year. This is a no-excuse Yo Mankata, this is a shit or get off the pot year for him. And I think if, you know, like I said, if he's batting, like, he doesn't have to hit over 300. If he's batting like 280 and has like 20 home runs, eight, like 70 RBIs, I would consider that a remarkably successful year for Mr. Mankata. And Tim Anderson, if Tim Anderson just continues to, you know, hit the way that he's hitting, be aggressive the way that he is and continue to be the igniter of this team on offense, then he's going to have a successful year. This team's going to go far and it's going to be really exciting to watch this offense work this year. Another year of development for several guys on offense. And there's, we still have another week of spring training games. Next spring training games, not till Saturday, but I'll still keep an eye out for the other spring training games. I'll have them on the game cast. I'm sure I'll listen to them on the radio and s- still probably bring up like why we aren't able to watch the spring training games. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. All right, that's that's feeling soxy. If you're feeling soxified, su- hit subscribe to get more feeling soxy podcast. Thank you for joining. This is Clint Klaus. Thank <laughs> you.